What's going on, everyone? It is Friday, February 18th, and today we have a very special uh, episode of the Volleyball Source podcast. If you'll notice, the setting is a little different, and today we have a guest. The fresh back, freshly back from Europe, the one, the only, the only Mr. Dan Manili, 5-1 VB. Dan, it's good to have you back in Canada. Everett. So nice to be back, and you know, it's there's no more fitting person to do a podcast with, which the home of Canadian volleyball, right here. Oh, I, I, Ever, so it's nice to be back. Yeah, so hey to everyone watching. Finally back from Canada. I guess this is my first like probably podcast or any kind of content I've done since I've been back. So it'll be good to get back on the mic. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, and I mean, hey, it's fitting since the last podcast you did in person in Canada was with me. Probably the last podcast I did in person was yeah, yeah. Pro- probably probably with you. February, February, or no, sorry, not February. That's right now, November of 2019. That was yeah. that was the last time we we, ah, we did good, the podcast. Good, good memory. Yeah, lots of, lots of online podcasts. But yeah, yeah a lot of nothing in person. A lot of stuff online. Um, but yeah, today we are going to be talking about uh, the CEV Champions League quarterfinal drawing of the lots. This morning, the top eight men's and women's teams went into their respective pools, and we picked out the Champions League draws to determine the quarterfinals. Um, and I mean, Dan is the perfect person to uh, talk about this because you've been there for those drawing of lots, and and you've you've ran a couple of them, so you know exactly what's happening right now. Yeah, so I've been I've yeah been in there in person behind the scenes in the uh, in the studio for the last couple, supporting everyone from afar on this one. Great great show they put on this morning. Uh, shout out to Maya Poliak, who was uh, the addition to the team. Did a great job, her and Federico. Uh, but yeah, let's break down. Uh, let's break down the matchups because that's that's what we're here for to discuss the teams. Because uh, it's been it's been an interesting season of, of Champions League so far. Everett, you're not wrong. Uh, let's start with the women because that's that's what we have up there. The four teams, uh, three teams from Russia, two from Italy. Two from Turkey and one from Poland, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that that looks about right. Quarterfinal number one, you've got the all-Russian showdown. The Dynamo Akbars out of Kazan against Dynamo Moscow. I mean, Dynamo Moscow only in fourth place so far in the Superliga for uh, Russian women, but making the surprise push all the way to the finals, uh, making it ahead of Novara, which is a little controversial. Um, moving into this one. Quarterfinal number two, we've got the all-Italian quarterfinal. And of all of them, I think this is the one that I have to be the most ex- excited for. We just saw it a couple weeks ago. It's going to be Monza against Canigliano. A lot on the line for both of these teams. Of course, Canigliano going to defend their championship, defend their Champions League title. They want to do it one last time before they lose. Well, potentially <laughs> lose a Gonu. Nothing's yeah, official yet, but yeah. since, you know, it, it sounds like it sounds like a Gonu's going to be going to Vakov Bank next year. Um one more. It, it sucks that there's only going to be one Italian team left in the competition uh, after this. Quarterfinal number three, you've got the developers Rajav against Vakov Bank Istanbul. That one should be pretty straightforward. Uh, and then finally rounding out the quarterfinals, we got Lokomotiv Kalingrad against Fenerbahce Istanbul. Yeah, so I mean, like, like you said, a couple a couple inter interleague matchups between Kazan, Moscow, Monza, Canigliano, which, like you said, are, are probably a little easier to analyze because because we've seen uh, these teams play each other before. And like you said, yeah, it definitely makes it interesting that Monza's coming into this with a win. Um, for me, though, I actually kind of like getting the inter the interleague matchups out of the way in the first round because, really? like, in in the Champions League, especially between the Polish russian teams like we're, we're gonna see 
the teams from the same league face off. It's inevitable. These are the best leagues in the world. Um, but yeah, I like getting them out of the way because for me, the, the spirit of Champions League is more of a, an interleague competition throughout Europe, different leagues facing off against each other. So, so the sooner we get those high-profile matches uh, between the teams, the better. That being said, the Italy versus Russia round, imagine the second round. I don't know. Yeah, it's not... It I, seems like a bit of a, a easier path to the finals for to for Canaliano for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if, if you look at it, I mean, I I think Kazan's going to be able to take that first match over over Moscow. I mean, I think we need to address it uh, a little bit. If you're a fan of the nine by nine and watch Robin I on Tuesday nights, well, first of all, thank you. But you're also aware of the situation. Essentially, what happened has happened is that uh, Dinamo Moscow was alongside. I think they're in Pool D uh, alongside Navarra. Um, they had originally forfeited a match. Um, and when they forfeited the match, Novara decided to play theirs. They played with only nine players, lost that, ended up losing that match. Um, but retroactively, the CEV decided to uncancel that game for Dinamo Moscow. Uh, and they were able to play it, and they were playing Liberec, so they, they got the win uh, regardless. And it kind of messed everything up uh, for that team in that pool because I mean, if you're if you were Navarre in that situation, they would have liked to have postponed that match. They they played and lost one of their yeah. matches with, with with only nine players against THY Istanbul. So uh, a, a bit of controversy having Dinamo Moscow in in that quarterfinal. And I mean, hey, if we had Navarre there, like imagine a, a Navarre against Canigliano, like that that would have been that would have been a a, a fun matchup. Navarre against uh, Dinamo Kazan. Yeah, I mean, on the uh, there's a couple things to unpack. On the one hand, with COVID cancellation and stuff, there's no winners. It's, yeah, it's, it just sucks for everyone. It's hard to please everyone. On the second hand, Navarre still had the chance. They still had the opportunity, which you guys discussed on your show. That uh, yeah, they, they were still in control of their own destiny at the end of the day. So you can't get too you can't get too mad about at them for that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, yes, I would have liked to see Navarra versus Canelliano because that's an all-time classic, a, a rematch of the 20, 2019 uh, Super Finals. So that, that sorry, <laughs> that's always good. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think I don't think that would necessarily change the final match because I still think Canelliano is clearly the better team this season. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, I said it uh, on the 9x9 on Tuesday that I don't think it's a gimme against Navarra uh, going in, in this. It's, it's not a gimme. Court, it's court not a gimme. Yeah. Monza. Monza has been playing elite level volleyball re- recently. They just got the win against Scandici. They beat Canigliano a couple of years ago or a couple of weeks ago. And since that time, they went out and picked up arguably one of the best players in the world in Jordan Larson. Right. So I think if you're Monza, you're coming into this one with a full head of steam. Like even Canigliano, they got the win against Busto last weekend. Didn't look great. Yep. Right, they didn't look super duper dominant against a, a Busto team that looked kind of average, and they just don't have the legs that they did last season. So I don't know. I, it's a toss up. I I would almost pick Monza in this one. Like if the money line is if the money line is favoring um, is favoring Canigliano in this one, and Monza is the underdog, I'm gonna bet on the underdog for this one because I I trust this Monza team. Like watching them play, watching them work together, like watching Dana Retke dominate the way that she has the past over the past few weeks yeah red has definitely changed the dynamic of that team and i don't know though like you said i think i think mons is a very good team definitely one of the best teams in italy and hopefully i mean for years to come they seem to be a great program they're running over there uh jordan larson okay she'll come in but who who, who do you see her replacing in the starting lineup which 
Where, who's she replacing? Who, who are the starters on the outside hitter? Recently, they've been going with Janari and Davis Skiba. Yeah. Right? And so, uh, Rob and I did break it down on Tuesday. Okay. And due to like having Alessia Oro and then um, their middles and libero, they have even, like they can play two foreigners on, on the outside. Yeah. Right? So, they can have the foreigner in the opposite and then the, the two foreigners on, on the, the left side as well. Um, and then and then the the one in the in the one in the middle. Yeah. So it, it's it's a toss up really, right? So I, I personally think you're going to go with Janari because Janari's ball control is a little bit better, and that that's what you're going to need for them. You're going to want to be able to release Retke early, really establish her in the in the middle in the offense, uh, and then allow for those balls to go outside. Because I mean, you got Magdalena Stiziak and uh, Lisa Van Hecke. On, on the right side. So you've got two good options on the opposite side, no matter what. You've got good options down the middle. And Alicia Oro is one of the best setters in the world, too. Yeah. So Well, it's interesting because, um, yeah, they have all these options, offensive options, which we've seen recently. That's not really the best teams in women's volleyball aren't, aren't, aren't funnily enough, aren't teams with a lot of offensive options. They're teams that play really solid defense, serve well, pass well, and feed it to the opposite. And that's been most Magdalena Stisiak teams throughout her career as well. So this will be inter- interesting to see how all these pieces fit together come playoff time when defenses are tightening up a bit. But I still think, you know, Mons is a great team, but I still think Keneally Ano. maybe one thing you're underrating is that they don't really give that much of a shit until <laughs> until the playoffs. Like, they're tired. They, this has been the same team, essentially, for the last X number of years. They know what they need to do. They know how to play playoff volleyball. They've, they've been at this for a long time. Um, they had this 73 win streak. Um, I remember we talked we talked to some players on the team, and and like they, they were taking that win streak very seriously. They, they weren't partying. They weren't doing all this stuff. They were... You know, so I, th- I feel like after the win streak, they release some tension. So um, it's it's it, I think they'll tune it back up when the Champions League playoffs comes back, and you know, Robin DeCroif uh, comes back, and it's 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 time to go. Yeah, I do think DeCroif is going to be an essential piece of the puzzle there for Canigliano. I don't disagree with what, what you said there, though, and I think I've I've talked about it before too about how. You know, it's, it's it's similar to like when the Bulls went on those amazing runs, or Golden State went on those amazing yeah, runs. Yeah, exactly. Once you do something like that, you don't necessarily want to do it again, right? Yeah. They went they went seventy six and zero. You don't want to do it do that again. You know the pressure of having to go into like you don't want to go into a game against Trentino if you're Conigliano and have to stress about not losing. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, you just yeah. kind of want to go in and be like, hey, whatever. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Right, so yeah, I, I I do agree with that, but man, I think Monza's looking good right now. I think they've been tooling up in all the right ways. I do think it's funny though. I'm not sure if you heard this rumor about how Isabel Hawk has signed with Canigliano for next season. Allegedly, she signed for 20 percent less than what she was getting at Vakif Bank this year. Now Monza offered her that full salary, and she turned down Monza and went to Canigliano for 20 percent less. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder why that is. I mean, Caneliano, I guess more more of a storied program, if, if you can say that. They've they've been quite good for the last few years. All these players talk to each other. They she probably knows the culture, the coaching staff, everything between the two teams. So I'm sure there's there's you know this personal reasons, and I, and I can understand why Hawk wants to play in Italy though, because that I think there's still a huge draw to Italy, even though Turkey is a great league. Absolutely. Maybe it's a little less deep. There's not a, a, quite as much volleyball history. Great fans, great league, but yeah, there's. I think there's still something, even, even for the men too. I think there's still something special about the Italian league that still attracts a lot of players, and she probably, you know, she's probably heard about it from all her buddies. <laughs> come play in Italy. Come play in Italy. Come play in Italy, and, and, and you know, that. that I wouldn't be surprised if, if she ends up going, yeah, to to to, to Canaliano, but 
again, what happens to Paolo Iguano? It's, it's funny sometimes the top teams of volleyball just trade players for, you know, on the outside. It seems like almost no reason. It, it's, it's weird how we do that, eh? It's just like, honestly, I think it's partly because we have this random-ass transfer window that's in the middle of the season, and people are already setting up their teams for next season yeah. while playing right now. <laughs> I think as North Americans, that's very, very foreign to us. And uh, and the, re- the level of volleyball reporting is so is so low that, you know, like contract numbers aren't ever announced you know contracts we don't know until sometimes after the player shows up to report for training camp right so yeah it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a guessing game but sometimes that's more fun um looking at the first the first matchup that the all rush one against kazan and moscow do you do you know much about about these teams they, to be to be honest i haven't watched much of them this this year yeah um, not a ton not a ton to be honest so i i, I I mean, looking looking at the stats here, Goncharova was fifth overall for scoring uh, for for Dino Kazamin. Goncharova's still going. What a long day! Yeah. Who's who's more of an impactful figure in the Russian volleyball world in terms of being a legend? Are we like like Mike Maximakalov or uh, Natalia Goncharova? I want to say probably Goncharova. Really. I mean, Mikhailov's an absolute legend, and you know he has the, Olymp- the, the Olympic, Olympic gold. That's, that's I would I would I would lean the other way. I'd lean back towards Mikhailov yeah, because I, I of because it. of the Olympic gold. I can see it. But yeah, Gontarova, um sitting in fifth in scoring, and then on the other side you've got Samantha Fabrice in twelfth for the Dynamo Dynamo Akbars. So um, is um, Bricio Bricio as well? Yeah, Bricio as well. So you got Bricio and Fabrice for that. Kazan team, I believe they're sitting in first or second right now. Uh, they're, they're first right now in the in the Russian league. Kaligrad si- in sitting in second. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and I mean, after the un- like all the Russian teams underperformed last year. Like, was there even a Russian team that qualified for the for the playoffs last year? Anyway, very underperforming. I haven't really been able to trust the the. Uh, the uh, Russian teams recently. I, I don't know. They, they just they haven't seemed to really get back to that elite level that they had maybe in the mid 2010s. So I, I'm still, I feel like they both had easy pools uh, getting into the playoffs. I really don't trust either of them to, to take it very far against the one of the, either Italian team that makes it out of this, to be no. honest. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, also real uh, quick. Oh, sorry. sorry, no, you go for it. One more player on Kazan that, you know, a great Russian prospect, you know, was kind of playing with Fedorov Steva and the rest of them this summer. Uh, Tatiana Kadochinka, Kadochinkna, 2003. It's kind of, kind of similar to Fedorov Steva, just, yeah, 18-year-old, super tall, super, super powerful. So she's, she's a really good player to watch on, uh, on Kazan if you, if you haven't heard of her before. It seems to me like we're about to step into like we've got this golden age of older players, you know, like Zhu Ting is 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 finishing up and Jordan Larson is is towards the end of his career, but it seems like we've got this younger generation of women that are coming Absolutely. through. Like, you know, we've <laughs> talked about Federate Seva, there's that Ekaterina Antropova who's playing for Scandici this yeah. year and is, has that dispute between whether she's going to play for Russia or Italy. Of course, Kira Van Rijk here here in Canada. There's just these athletes that are coming through e- right e- now. E- even a gone and Boscovich aren't that old. Yeah, you're not <laughs> they're, they're like under 25 still. <laughs> so like, like absurd to hear. We're about to. St- I feel like we're about to step in like very much into a golden age of women's volleyball internationally. Especially like at the opposite in outside hitter position, Fedorov Steva, uh, Alexa Ka- Ka- Kavartasu. Like it's 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 unbelievable. Like <laughs> I, I feel like you're almost you almost have like 10 of the top like 50 women's volleyball players are like like under the age of between the ages of 18 and 25 like it's it's going to be crazy 
Yeah, yeah, you, you're you're not wrong. Um, moving on to quarterfinal number three, I think this one is pretty straightforward. I think um, Rezhov has done a fantastic job to get over the hump. I felt last last year's Champions League they underperformed a little bit, right? They lost. You're just to, saying that because they had <laughs> well, Kier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. But they also lost to Schwerwin. Yeah, you know, yeah, they lost yeah. to Germany, the the German team early on. They went zero and three in the first in the first. Uh, yeah. Uh, week of Champions League, and they won a match at the end to kind of me- mess everything up. But doing a good job to—I mean, they did have an easy pool, but to win their pool and and move on. But hey, you're taking on Isabel Hawk, uh, one of the top scorers this year in the Champions League, slotting in at sixth, one of the top scorers last year, and that just monstrous Vakov Bank squad, the def- the defending World Club champions, they've like. Yeah, like right now, I th- I think it's hard to say that they're not the favorite heading into this into the playoffs here at the Champions League. Well, I hate to sound like a broken record because uh, me and Rob discussed it infinite number of times last last season on the European volleyball show, but it, and it ended up being the case. But Canadiana versus Vakit Bank is is looking like quite likely right now. I mean, Fenerbahce and I think Monza are probably going to give them a bit of a harder run than perhaps their opponents last year, but still like. <laughs> yeah, Vakithang just I mean, and they're hungry too. They want like they want that Champions League title after after what happened last year. Right with Canaliano up until that fifth set. Uh and you can tell Isabel Hawk very hungry right now, having is this the best scoring season like ever, like in Champions League? Like it's gotta be up there, almost seven points per set, uh, on really good efficiency as well. She looks really good her serve is unreal this year as well. Uh, I mean, Vakithang what like what can we say? They have the continuity. They have the talent. And they also, I feel like they also... I think it's going to be a walk in the park against Reshoff, to be honest. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that whatsoever. I do feel like the Vakov Bank, they made some moves. Uh, for example, like bringing in uh, Chaco Bogu, I think was a huge yeah. move for them. Yeah, yeah. Just really solidifying some things down the middle. But, I mean, I think... Let's be honest. If you're a Vakov Bank or a, a Turk, Turkish fan, it's championship or bust here. Oh yeah. It it it, oh, yeah. it really truly is. And I mean, how much of a, a feather in their cap would it be? Like, hey, we won the Champions League before we got a Gonu, right? Canigliano, uh... they lost to they. You know they they couldn't. Oh wait, no, they did win it. Did did Canigliano beat or lose to Navarra? So Navarra won with a Gonu. With, with a Gonu. So no no non Gonu team has won since 2018. That's crazy. <laughs> so can Vakovic be, be the first team? But I mean, it would, it, like that's why. Like I, I really think that that the the second most important match of Champions League this year is Monza versus Canigliano. I think that there's only two teams based on the draw that there is right now. There's only two teams that can beat Canigliano. One of them is Monza because we've seen it before and they've done it, and the other one obviously is is Vakovic Bank. But I do feel that if they get into the like right now, right now Canigliano isn't deep, right? Like that—that's not a deep roster. And no, absolutely. To not. win to win the Scudetto in, in Italy is going to take you a lot more than it is to win the Sultan Ligi in in Turkey, right? Yep. Like they're not on cruise control in in, in domestic play, but they're almost on cru- cruise control. Back of Bank is. We know that we and we know that like Canigliano lives and dies by by, by a Ganu. So. So you're not believing in Fenerbahce, is what you're saying? Because I think you might be underrating Fenerbahce a bit. I I like Fedorov Seva. I think I think on a good day, Fedorov Seva is like good enough to 
Yeah, but what does she have around her? Yeah. Right? Like you're talking about Vac of Bank where it's just like, oh, like maybe Isabel Hawk is, isn't working. Well, let's just go to Gabby. Let's just go to Michelle Barge Hackley. You know, let's just like. <sighs> maybe, but the same. I like don't Federate know. Federate is, is, is elite. When but. do you think the last game that Isabel Hawk hasn't been the leading scorer of Vac of Bank? Oh, that I that I that I, that I, that I <laughs> when is the leading scorer of Akif and Gabby? I feel like they live and die by by Isabel Hawk, but she just never, almost never has a bad game. But I but I think that's because of what's around her. Isabel Hawk has one job and one job to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To she's score. she's sure. not she's not an emotional leader on that team. She's not a leader on on that team in it by by any means. When you've got the the, the athletes that they do around her, right? She's she's there to bang balls. Yep. In terms of, and I'm not saying that she does, like she does, she blocks very well. Like she's a very good volleyball player. Like I'm not, I'm not, I am not at all painting her with the brush of the dumb, you know, the big dumb right side. Yeah. But let's be honest, when you look at that rest of that roster, you know, she has one job and one job to do because everyone else takes care of their job. Whereas, you know. So that's I, the same with Caneliano. Or at least last year, maybe a bit less uh, this year with, with Plummer. But yeah. that's, that's what I think. Like if you look at, if you look at them, like they struggle they struggle with that P two position, yeah. right? Like, like on the left side, like Scylla hasn't been the player that she's been. Plummer has been hot and cold. She's not developing into the player that people are thought were thinking that she was going yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. Megan Courtney's like swinging at like a, like under thirty percent on the season, right? So they, they miss Kim Hill. They miss Kim Hill for sure. They absolutely miss Kim Hill, and I think I think Tommy even said that in the chat uh, that that yeah, uh, I mean Kim Hill wanted like. I, I interviewed her after uh, the Super Finals last year. I was like, "That's like, I guess she had announced her retirement before that." But yeah, I was like, "Damn, like her her retiring is really going to change the dynamic of that team, not just on the court, but she was also like a hugely important emotional emotional leader as well. Absolutely, right? Like really, like brought like a lot of fun to the team, but also a lot of like emotional maturity because she's a little older. She had been to like, you know, all these Olympics, all these big events Former and world championship. MVP. And you know, Caneliano is always going to be a fun team because those it's, you know, it's a Ganu and it's, you know, and they like to have fun, but also like they, they need, you know, players to keep it serious. Whereas like younger players like Catherine Plummer, you think Catherine Plummer is going to tell a Ganu like, Hey, like you're like swinging into the block or Hey, like can you, you know, you're, you're, you've missed four years in a row. Can you change it up a bit? Absolutely not. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. So that's why, like, I don't know. I'm really doubting. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Canigliano fall in the quarterfinals. I, 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 I really wouldn't be. Yeah, I still think I still think uh, Fenerbahce though. I, I, I think I think I think that they have they have they have a shot here as well, and they're gonna they're gonna run over Kaliningrad. That's that's again a not enough. The you first round so? the first round matches here aren't aren't, aren't the strongest. You, you think that like Fenerbahce is gonna run over Kaliningrad? Yes. Okay. I mean, does Kaliningrad have like Smarzek? Yeah, I like Smarzek though. I, I like her too. But I is like, she like is she com- is she comparable to Fedorov Steva? When the, when the best so. Russian player on the court is playing for the, the non-Russian club, I don't know. The, I don't the know foreigner this. limit in Russia really hinders them in Champions League, eh? It does because they're not like, and I, I noticed that in Russia, maybe a little bit more on the men's side, but definitely not on the women's side, that they don't they don't stack up foreigners. Like other people do, mm-hmm. they have their two or three foreigners. What is it? Two in Russia, I think. Two, two. They have their two foreigners, and that's it. Well, and and, and all, all the a lot of the best Russians play outside of Russia. Fedorov Seva, Lazareva, like all, all these girls play, you know, play outside of Russia. Whereas all the best Russian players. When's the last time an elite Russian player on the men's side? You think Mikhailov's going to go play in Trentino? 
No, I guess you're right. No, hey? absolutely not. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, inter- inter- interesting for sure about how the Russian women leave, but the Russian men they all they all stay. I wonder if they get like a bonus. It, you know, I'm not sure. I, I mean, the Russians aren't the most talkative uh, players. I don't know if you've noticed. Really, <laughs> they're not. They're not going to. Uh... Fair, fair enough. Um, I think the only thing with the Russian guy did was Oleg Stoyanovsky. He's a nice guy. Oh yeah, Alex Stoyanovsky. Yeah, the the big the big tall seven footer. Yeah. Not not had the best run the last couple of years, but no, I mean he won the world championships in 2019, but since then they haven't really been able yeah, to, exactly. to do anything. They are the only team. If we want to touch on the beach real quick, I think they are the only team that can actually compete with the beach volley Vikings. Yeah, you know, not well, we like, saw them in the finals. Yeah, again, not, not, not on a fluky level. Um, one thing, uh, just looking at here, you know, you're looking at Isabel Hawk how. She's averaging 6.62 uh, points per, per set, but Arena Fedorotseva just right behind her at 6.4. Also, I'm telling you, Fedorotseva is a absolute stud. Like she's up, she's I, I put her up there right now, like right up with Iganu and, and Hawk. Like she's in that tier of me, and also can pass. So she's up there with the Iganu and Hawk tier. Yeah, for sure. Fedorotseva is like. Top top five women's volleyball player, like up there with Boscovich. Yeah, Hawk. She's in she's in that she's Aganu, in that club. Hawk, she's Boscovich. in that club. Yeah. Who's number, who's in that? Who's the who rounds up the Ganu Bosk Hawk, Bos, Hawk Boscovich. Oh, who's who's the fifth player? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <sighs> I mean, I feel like it's a big four. <laughs> okay. After after that, it drops off. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean we'll we'll have we'll have to see it. Now, what day are these matches? Kier Van Rijk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> even I, even I, and my, all of my homerism would not go. Uh, I did I did add her into as a honorable mention in my top twelve. Okay. But I mean, I I think I think Kier Van Rijk had a good season She's last good. year. She's she, good. Yeah. She was top like top five in scoring in in VNL. Like, you know. Qu- quick aside before. Was she going to be the best Canadian women's player of all time? I mean, you still have a certain person by the name of Sarah Pavin who played for Team Canada. True. Albeit in its worst period ever. Um, and then on the other side, you still have Alexa Gray, who's top three in true. scoring right now. True, in true, true. Made the run to the semifinals of Champions League like right, right now. Like, she was a bit has- of a later bloomer, though. A bit of a later bloomer. Yes and no, I think. I mean, I like, I like what? Like when she was in university, she brought BYU to a Final Four. True. Um, but her pro career didn't really launch completely until... I feel like, <laughs> maybe, I feel like, maybe I'm off I base like on this a little bit. In, I feel like she's been in... I feel like last year Last year was maybe her like big breakout season. Oh, really. absolutely. I mean, she was one of the... But, she was one of the best leagues or women's in the women in the league last year, yeah, right? Yeah, for so, sure with Busta. Yeah, like if if she hadn't been injured, like having Alexa Gray and Kira Van Rijk playing for Team Canada this summer, that would have been great. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of she did come out. She played in Korea, and then like for a lot of lesser lesser clubs here. Yeah, almost like second tier clubs. Like yeah, Soverato, well, Casamaggiore, Casamaggiore. They're, they're quite good. In the past, maybe not recently, but yeah, but they, the they won Champions League what in 20, 2015 or sixteen, yeah, something like that. But yeah, so I mean, I I still think that right now, if you're gonna have to crown like a best Canadian indoor player of all time, I think you still have to give it to Sarah Pavin. 
after that Alexa Gray and but Kira Van Rijk definitely has that ability to um, work her way into that one um, any anything else you have to say here uh, for the women's quarterfinals Dan um, not too much just that I think it's going to be a, not the best quarterfinals but semifinals and I think what we have to remember for Champions League it's it's not a do or, do or die it's not win or go home it's two it's two matches right so that may, I think that may be, maybe favors a stronger team, which is why maybe I'm a little bit higher on like a Canaliano and you know some of some of the which I think is a bit better team. So maybe if it was a, it was a one one match, then it would be a, a little a little less close. But but you know I I, I like it with uh, I, I I like the stronger team. I still think it's going to be Vakif Bank versus Canaliano, and I've man I, I wish I could be be at that match, but fortunately this year probably not. I think I'm going to call, you know what? I'm going to go Monza. I'm going to go okay. Mo- Mo- Monza Vakif Bank. That's, All right. That's my, that's my call on it. All right. Shall we move on to the men? Yeah, I think we should move on to the men. And uh, I mean, when you messaged me this morning, you asked, what, who do you, what do you think of the draws? And I said, not so high on the women's one, but I do like the men's draws. And I do because I think that we're going to be getting some banger semifinals. And this, even even some of the quarterfinals are going to be This almost good. seems too good of a draw. Like You're not wrong. You're like not wrong. I feel like there's always one match in Champions League or one round that's like, okay, like it's obvious. Or you're like, damn, I, I, I can't believe like these teams are meeting in the first the first round. This is like, yeah, this is, this is straight bangers all the way through. This is like... This is, this is like the Coachella of like Champions League. Like. <laughs> okay, the Coachella. I do think that not only are all of these, not only is I think that they're appropriate matchups, but I do think that every single one of them has enough intrigue in it. Yeah, there's you know, so many micro storylines for there's sure. There's so many micro storylines, but like Zenit St. Petersburg, where are they at with their with their injuries and, and everything going on? What kind of roster are they, are they going to have out there yeah, right, to, I, to go up against the best team in the world? Yeah. Uh, like with, uh, yeah. I mean, that's probably that's yeah. First of all, that's probably yeah, this is probably the most lopsided. Zenit St. Petersburg, like you said, probably one of the biggest like what ifs. I mean, like, can you imagine if they have Victor Politaev this entire season? Like, it could be a completely different team, right? I don't know. I'm still not sold in Politaev. No, he's he's absolutely incredible player when he's healthy. But yeah, you're right. Like, pretty much their entire roster has been out at some point, right? Yeah, and like you know even. Even this week earlier when they were playing Brazil, Earnout started as Libero, and then they after they brought <laughs> yeah. in Grabenikov. Like, there's just weird things happening at, at ZSP. I saw some fans calling for uh, Semivello to be sacked, to be fired, which I think is, is is a little extreme. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, neither of us is going to bet against Perugia. But if ZSP is at full force, if they've got their team, I think it could be fun. I think it, it could be a good one. Yeah, and yeah, they're probably like healthier than they have been in the past. I mean, is anyone injured for them right now? They have the Perugia? No, for uh, ZSP. Well, I don't know. Like, we haven't. Seen, when's the last time we saw Politaev? He didn't play against Berlin this week. Yeah, he played. Uh, sorry, he played on the twelfth. Oh, he so he so he played in the last Russian league match. Yeah. Okay. Hit twenty for forty. I wonder if they just looked at the standings and was like, "Yo, look, we don't really need you for Champions League, right?" We we're either gonna finish first yeah. or we're gonna finish second, yeah, yeah, yeah. and if we finish second, we're moving on regardless. Yeah, true. 
right? Because even even going into the last game yesterday, they were yesterday the day before, like they were statistically fine. Like yep. you know, yeah, it, it didn't matter. So <laughs> maybe maybe they're they're doing a little bit of load management there with Pulitayev. I think they probably are, and they're probably saving him for. Uh... For this match, I think yeah, this it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I'm kind of talking myself into Zenit St. Petersburg a little bit more. Uh, you know, you have Grabenikov, which is gonna negate a lot of the serving powers. Like, would you say probably the best jump serve passer in the world? Maybe top 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 five jump serve passer. I would put yeah. I mean, top serve or top five for sure. Um, I just think maybe Shoji Zatorski a bit ahead of him, but yeah, I think that if St. Petersburg can block Perugia well. And then, like, Grubenikov can chase some things down to the back row, then they can make things very interesting. With Kulika yeah. on the left and, and Politaev on the right. Who's Is, is Kozbar going to be setting for them? Yeah. Kobzilla? You think you think he's going to get the start? Yep. Yeah, I think, I think uh, yeah, Kobzar. He's in. Okay, fair enough. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to both pick Perugia because we'd, you'd be a saint, insane. Not I mean, the best, the best team in Italy. Uh, after maybe a slow, like, first half of the season, Wilfredo Leon is back. Back on, back on his, uh, back on his grind. He is. I think he's improved his hitting percentage by like ten percent since like November, something crazy like that. He's been hitting insane the last couple months. Um, it must be nice for him to have, finally have a setter. Eh? I know. Well, it took you know it took a it took a while actually for him and Gino any new setter and hitter. And despite all his skill, I think Leon does kind of require a different setting style Absolutely. than a lot of players. Um, this is this is the exact same thing that come if I'm going to be you know Everett and bring it back to Canada for a second. This is the exact same thing I've been saying about Shawan Vernon Evans for a while is that he's a different style of player and that you yeah. can just run them in system. Like yeah. Leon needs a higher set, maybe not as fast, maybe a little bit slower. You need to get it up to him for him, for him to be able to be successful. Yeah, maybe it's because he played in Russia for so long and that like True. that's how they always ran things. And also he's a player who kind of likes to see the block. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah he, he likes to scout it out. He like he. And he know like he always knows his hitting percentage. That's funny. I remember we did a podcast with him for like Champions League. He's like, like he looks at the stats every game. He's like, he's aiming. He said he's aiming for sixty five percent like every game. That's his goal. That's gnarly. Yeah. That's and he's not gnarly. that far off. <laughs> it's like imagine, imagine you're a, a hitter in baseball. You're like, yeah, I want my uh, my batting average to be like four fifty this year. Yeah. Like he's like, I was hitting fifty percent for a while. Like that shit. Like <laughs> so. Yeah. He's. Wow. For anyone else, that would be great. Here's Leon uh, saying saying that's nothing, eh? All right. Um, moving – quarterfinal number two, also very interesting. I think Trentino has yeah. – I think Trentino's very good. I think they're very talented. I think they've come back to earth a little bit. Yeah. Because they had that incredible start to the season. Like, we I, – I mean, I had them in the playoffs. I think I had them in the back half of the playoffs in the Italian league maybe fifth place, sixth place, but a lot of people, yeah, weren't that high on the team. For me, the dynamic of that ch- team changed during Eurovolley when we saw, oh, like Daniel Lavia is really, really good. Alessandro Micheletto is like top, like 20 outside hitter in the, the world. Like, top 20? Top top five. Micheletto top five? Uh, top 10 for sure. Top 10, yeah. Top 10 for sure. Okay, okay. But like he was, he was a top five scorer at, at, at Nations League last year, led them to a European championship. Right, yeah, other people showed up, but he was the most consistent guy. Led well, who won MVP? Lead. What? Who won MVP? Was, who did? Gianelli. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, so like, yeah. I, I do think they're very good, but I do think that they're missing that guy. And I think we saw it with Berlin that they have that ability to kind of come up at, at, at any point. They've got a lot of good um, leadership with Papa Grankin leading the show and Ben Patch 
if Ben Patch is the Ben Patch that we expect, they're a world world class team. Because if Ben Patch is the Ben Patch that we expect, he's hands down one of the most physical opposites in the world. And in the conversation, like just pure physicality and what he has the ability to do, he's a top five opposite in the world. But he he's doesn't... a top five opposite in the world, ten percent of the time. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Right, and so... the other ninety percent, he's, he's like. Why did you do that? Yeah, great player, great guy, but great yeah, great player, great guy. I feel like I feel like I could vi- like like me if me if me and Ben Patch did a, a podcast together. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah. It would it would be amazing because I feel like he's a phenomenal person who's very interesting. Who's who's who does like he's so much more than just volleyball. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, but if he's not there, then like you know, I mean, hey, if Johan Shop didn't go on that serving run. Like they were down 0-2 in that first match against against DSP. Like it, it could have been very different for them, right? So I don't know. I think Berlin can push Trentino, especially for the first match. You know what I think? I'm going to call Berlin match one, and Trentino is going to take the series in match two. Interesting. Berlin okay. In five in, in match one, and then Trentino will, will take it in three or four in the next match. But both of those. Ho- hopefully, they have a good capacity for those crowds because both are really fun environments too yeah you're not wrong. like i really w- i wish i saw a match in berlin because i've heard so many good things about the uh the uh what's what's the arena called uh max max, max schmelling hall max schmelling hall yeah, yeah, yeah. um and sergey grankin i mean obviously legend, a legendary legend. setter but he, he's like i feel like he's almost had like a like one of his better years like this year like he's been setting he's been having great connections with the entire team like this is probably one of the storylines like I would have least expected. Sergey Grankin plays Still his entire career in Russia, you know, kind of almost an afterthought in his last couple of seasons in the Russian league, has his complete revi- re- like revitalized career in Berlin of, of all clubs, like uh, gets along super well with the young guys, emerges as his like team leader on the team that everyone loves. They're like, like he's gets along so well with everyone, like and really has a connection on the, like both in volleyball and off the court. So, I love to see the Sergey Grankin. Like it almost feels like he was being like his personality was almost a bit like limited in Russia. Now he's getting to express himself a little more. Yeah, hey, you're you're not wrong. And I mean, from from what I hear, uh, Berlin is a is a bit of a fun city. It's probably yeah. different. it's probably di- different than living some places in Russia. A little bit different than uh, Novosibirsk, yeah, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not wrong. But hey, I mean, I, I think we're both calling for an all Italian semifinal here between. Uh, Perugia and Trentino, but still, I think both these first matchups yeah, are, are yeah. pretty spicy. Moving on to number three, you've got hands down the biggest gimme. I would say I, I don't I don't rate JW all that high. I think Lube has the team; they have the roster. Even with you know Wantahana, who's been dealing with injuries all year, it has been out. We've seen Yant step up massively. Um, you know what? I think Zaitsev is coming back into form. Like what? You think Hadrava is going to go off for? for JW I, I really don't see them being able to fight with uh, fight with Lube yeah probably not and I mean I guess our, like my expectations for Yastrzebje this year were, were extremely high right like like they were they were poised to be a really good team and you know they, they beat the only team that beat Zaxa last year in, in the Polish Plusiga finals and, and I don't know this year just just whatever magic that they're still really good they're still at 15 and 3 in the Polish league they're still one of the best teams but yeah I guess I don't know. They've they've lost a little. They lost a little of the magic, which is surprising. When you have Ben Toniuti coming to the team, you'd think, okay, this is gonna this is gonna push them over the edge. But sometimes in volleyball, like it's it, you just have the right combination of guys at the right time. But in Lube is the better team. But I think Yastrzebski, 
This is around the time last year. Like we wrote them off last year as well. Like no one, no one expected them to beat Zaxa in that in that Polish league final. So I, th- I think there's still there's still a chance for them to like this is okay. Um, you know, we're, we saw Lube struggle last year, almost get out of the Champions League, or no, sorry, did get out of the Champions League as well around this time yeah. against a Polish club. But didn't they like? Yeah, but they lost to Zaxa, and I mean that was a like in that that quarterfinal against Zaxa last year was phenomenal. I yeah, remember yeah. you you weren't around because you of course were you in Europe. But some of the voice chats we have for those were some <laughs> of the most my most favorite yeah. ones uh, on the Discord. Um, but I don't know. I just don't see it. I I, I don't see it for JW this this year. I, I I really don't. I mean, last year, like last year, you do have like who who did they have on the right side last year? Why am I blanking on his name? The guy who plays for Belgorod, um, the big Mohammed uh, Al Hachdadi. Yeah, they had Al Hachdadi, like Al Hachdadi against Hadrava. Like Al Hachdadi has the ability to go off. You know. See, I like Hadrava because I. Okay, I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I like I like Hadrava. I talked to him a lot of times at, at Eurovolley. Great I guy. Think, I think the Hadrava slander is wrong, and we should stop it. But but okay, he is he is overmatched for a Champions League like top option team. Yes, yeah, I'll give him that. You're, you're yeah, you're right. And I mean, I think Tony Udi is a great addition to that team, but um, I just don't think JW has around them <gasps> structurally. But I, Cleveno, Fornell, Yuri Gladier, like uh, on paper, this is so like that's like that's like on paper. It's I mean. If Hadrava just has a good series, because he we've seen it before. There were a couple of games uh, for Czech Republic. He, he's kind of like um, who are you talking about? He's kind of like Patch, right? Like absolutely, like 100%. some of the time Hadrava like looks like one of the top opposites in the world. Now, if Patch is ten percent of the time, Hadrava is two percent of the time. But like, that's a chance. He has it in him. You're you're not wrong, I, and I do think so too as well. But still, when you're talking about guys like Fornal. And Klevno and Yuri Glider. To me, all of those guys are A minus players. Klevno, oh, you mean A minus Klev- player was the best player on the uh, Olympic champions. Yeah, okay, a- Klevno a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more, but like Yuri, like Yuri Glider with Fornal, like you know, they're like they're just a step down, just just a, a step down. And no, I, I, I really don't see them f- fighting up against against, okay. against the Lube. Like, do you think Tacheco is going to let that happen? Like, you think Simon is going to be? Is is going to be happy with it? Like, uh, no, and they're and they're kind of like vacuum bank. They, they're like, man, last year was our like should have been ours. Last year, last year we we should have won it. That's why we brought in Zaitsev. That's like well, that's why we're like locked in this season. But I think they'll win. But I think I think the strategy might take take three four sets total. Fair enough. Well, we'll, we'll give you that. Is, uh, how's the chat doing, by the way? Any chat's, chat's chat's doing pretty good. Tommy's gone. Bye, Tommy. Okay. Uh, see you later. Um. Yeah. We, no worries. We, yeah, we, we we've got we got some good things in. Um. Now looking at the final quarterfinal, I think this one is hands down the spiciest. This yes. one, this one is is the fun one, and I can't call it because Zaxa is not the team they were last year. Yes, they did just get that fantastic win over Lube, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, Lube knew they were already through. Like they really like you know they already won the pool. Zaxa was playing for them, you know. It, it really didn't matter it, for Lube. It mattered a whole bunch to Zaxa. And something I've, I think I've learned is that never take too much stock in that kind of match. No, never. Because volleyball players will, like, like the difference between them trying hard and, <laughs> and sandbagging is, is huge. And, Massive. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, 
uh, optically it might not look that different, but exactly like you know, optically it might be like, oh yeah, they're playing hard, but internally it's just like exactly it's, it's so close in volleyball that if you just turn like if you're not with it for like if you're half a step behind because you know internally, hey, this match doesn't matter. We won the pool. We're moving on regardless. Then like you're not going to be there. It, it was similar when I was watching. I watched France Eurovolley this fall, and like you could tell like. Yeah, exactly. Optically, they looked really good. You're like, damn, Angabet's diving across the 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 court for this ball, and like, wow, Grabenikov is making this incredible save. But just you know, the little the little time they didn't stretch quite enough for a block. You know, they you know one serve sailed a few feet out of bounds that maybe shouldn't have gone out of bounds as a float serve. So, so that that kind of thing does make a huge difference. Yeah, and so for me, like, I think Dino in Moscow is a that's a dangerous roster. You know, they, I don't. Of course, think, I don't think they're nearly as dominant as they were last season. You know, no, but and, last season was a like, yeah, maybe a flash in the pan a bit because uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they're ever, those, those players are ever going to play that well again. But you're you're not wrong. Like it was it was fun to watch. It really sucks that last year Zenit Kazan was in Champions League and Dino Moscow was out. Where yes. it's flipped around yeah, this year, yeah, yeah. you know, Zenit Kazan has been playing so well. Undefeated or one loss in, in the Russian league, something like that. Yeah, only the one loss in Russian league, and they're like now that Modena is out, especially out of the CEV Cup. Like, who's going to be up against them? Like tools? Like, no, come on. <laughs> I, I like know, Kevin right? Tilly, and I think that team has been doing some awesome things, but I, I don't think they're going to be doing anything um, serious. Yeah, well, I think I think the wings from Moscow, like. I mean, I was a little skeptical of the level that Semishev and uh, Paul Deschnack played at last year's. Good players, but like they were like playing like like absolutely elite volleyball, they were playing like superstars. Like freaking damn, Sam Daru was on the bench for Semishev. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get like if you look at if you look at the numbers this year, it makes sense. But like really, like I like Sam Daru is the better player for me. But yeah, hey, you you're not wrong. Um... But yeah, I, I think this one is, is going to be real interesting. Like, I, I don't think, I think for me, even more so than losing Toniuti, I think losing Kokonovsky was a massive, a massive shot to Zaxa. Um, but we'll think about his clutch moments. Like, when, like against Zenica Zan last year in that series, like, the, the, what was that block against Angape? Like, yeah. man. And I think that, um, like Kokonovsky might be one of the most underrated players in the world, to be perfectly honest. And after the way I've watched him affect his AXA last year, and yeah. I think that his consistency in the middle and the way he approaches, he's so quick and he's always there. He always gives you that opportunity. And because he's a smaller middle, he hits right above the tape. So when you're up against Huber, like Huber, his contact point's way higher than Kokonovsky, but you need to wait for that ball to get up there. And at an elite oh, yeah, level, it's way easier for middle blockers to to just be loaded and ready. And like if you're going up against like a seven footer on the other side, all I need to do is put my hands up and jump a little, and I'm going to be blocking yeah. it with you. But against Kokonovsky, you need to be a full commit on him because as soon as that ball is above the tape, he's going for it. Plus, Kokonovsky and Tony, it was beautiful. I mean, how, how many. What, this is the term I like in basketball. Like, what was the bag? What was their bag, right? Like, what was the bag of Tony? They probably had like twelve different middle runs they ran like yeah. <laughs> each match. Like, like, it was like unbelievable. Their, like, their bag of plays was was just. <laughs> and, you know, I I know that it really changed for me once I had a conversation with Ben Josephson and we were talking about recruiting, and he goes, "I always look for middles first. Middles are the first thing I recruit because you center your offense around them." 
for me, it's it's very much like like running a running back in football. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah. I like, like, I like it's the gonna, they're going to open things up for you quite a bit. Yeah, and that's what I think you saw with that Zaxa team last year, and Tony Uti recognized that. Didn't really matter who was in that second spot, whether it was David Smith or Rainio or, or whatever it is. But with Kokonowski, they could run that offense, and running that offense with Kokonowski just allowed everything to flow that much smoother and, and just to be to be outside. But that's why I'm I'm not sure like. Like we, we saw we saw that uh, incredible showdown of, of Lube and Zaxa last year in the quarterfinals, but I think if that happens again in the semis, uh, I would I would put my money on Lube for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, exactly. Kowanowski was so important to them. Yeah, Shoji's been great for them. Uh, I think Martin Janis. Like I think people are realizing, okay, he's, maybe if he wasn't recognized outside Poland before, now he's getting a lot of the recognition that he deserves because he is. Uh, and like I think he should have been Poland's starting setter during you know the Olympics and Eurovolley last year, but uh, yeah, Moscow with Sokolov, Larry Kerman in. Uh, I mean, maybe I would say Moscow's weaker on the outsides, probably, but but yeah, Pavel Pankov too, one of my favorite Pankov, players to watch. Pankov, yeah. he's he's my second favorite setter after uh, T.J. Sanders, but after T.J. Sanders, nice. No, but yeah, you're 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 not wrong. I mean. Ultimately, what's what's your call for the semis and what's your call for the finals here? Okay. Hmm. Okay. I think semifinals is going to be Moscow Lube and Moscow Lube. Moscow versus Lube. Yeah. You're you're calling Moscow over Zaxa. Yeah, I am. Okay. Because okay, Zaxa legendary season last year, but legendary. But they haven't been the best Champions League team traditionally. They've been really good in, in the Plus League, but a lot of they've they've had their fair share of quarterfinal losses in the Champions League. I think, like, I, I, yeah, I, I think that team last year was like the combination of a hundred different factors, which made them as good as they were. And I think they've lost, yeah, like thirty of them this year. So I'm not I'm not as confident in them this year, even though they're still dominating in Poland. Yeah, but they a they the the defending champs, and b they just beat Lube. Beat Lube that that wasn't trying, <laughs> and defending champs missing what three three four players that they were last year. Who by the way, two, Konowski, Zatorski, Tony. Okay, three. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So three of the best players. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and and B like think about all all of what happened that needed for them to get to the Champions League win the Champions League last year. Like, like how many golden sets did we play? How many like yeah, true. How many like. Absolutely insane moments against Zenikasan and against Lube needed to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. like they really got by by the skin of the teeth. Which okay, we, we kind of forget now because it's a year later. But like that sequence of events, even though they deserve the title, probably happens like five percent of the time. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Now that I look back on it, you're right because like they did go to the golden set against against Lube and they did and, go to a golden <laughs> set against it's Zenikasan. I mean, it's, which it's, both teams, I believe, definitely Zenikasan had had match points. Oh yeah, absolutely. Lost, yeah. Didn't Kazan had multiple? Yeah, yeah. It's something in my eye here. Um, uh, but yeah. Oh, okay. And then in the finals, what are you going with? Lube Perugia. I think this is Lube's year. I know Perugia's ahead of them. The standings probably played a bit better, but also we know Lube's had all this weird stuff with Zaitsev. Had injuries to start the season. They haven't played with their full roster a ton, and I think Zaitsev is kind of gaining momentum as we're going. So I think I think uh, even though I like I'm a huge Wilfredo Leon fan, so I really want him to get one outside of Zenikazan because I think that really helps as a legacy. But I mean, Lube, Lube has been there before. They've won Champions League before. They have like 
DiCicco now. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty ridiculous team. I don't know. I disagree. I think it's going to be Perugia. I think it's going to be Perugia Lube in the finals. I, I I first of all, I think it's going to be Perugia Trentino Lube Zaxa. That's that's what I think the uh, the. So we're the same except Zaxa Moscow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I, I'm I'm going for Zaxa in in that. Uh, but then I'm calling Perugia in this one. Lube, okay. Lube has been there before. They won back in 2019, right? Yeah, so, they won the Scudetto last year in Italy. And I think that Perugia just has the roster to do it this year. Like when you've got Matt Anderson and Rich Licky. So, okay, here's a question though. What are the starting lineups for both teams? (laughs) But that's, that's, but so here's here's the thing is that i think perugia's roster is very much set they have the ability to go elsewhere right but you're going Rechlicki on the side leon and anderson and you got plotnitsky coming off the bench like i i think yeah that, it's the, been their lineup like the whole year pretty that, much that, yeah. that's what it is on the, the lube side of things is a little bit different is one to healthy right how do you, how does yeah, that look? That's a question. Do you like where like Yant is having like he's clearly like next up as one of the stars of volleyball. Oh, he's 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 very much next up. Right? It, I mean, like, so do you do you fit him in somehow? Can you fit him in with Juan Triana and Liao? I think I think especially at this point in the season. Well, well, we also have to see right because of scheduling. We've got this quarterfinals like coming up, the semifinals like shortly after that. Right, like basically they're all done by like the end of March, early April, and then we have to wait till the end of May. Like a month, for, yeah, I remember like that, yeah. almost two months yeah. for it's like a month and a half for for the finals, right? So, right, what happens in that timeline? I think yeah. that at that point, I think you you still go with Yant, but you have Wantahano come off the bench because. I th- I think I think the like when push comes to shove they're gonna go with what they trust and what they know. But the, right and that's Juan Torino. Yeah, but the last what? How long has Juan Torino been in Lube? Like five years. Yeah. He's 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 won them a Champions League before. He's won them how many Scudettos? Is is Juan Torino really? I know they're both. I don't know what their relationship is like on off the court, but like, is he really gonna be like I'm gonna like sacrifice myself even though I was Finals MVP three years ago? You know. Am I really gonna like three years? It's not that long in volleyball, especially <laughs> in, COVID, in the COVID yeah. world. Like, you know. But I mean, Juan Torino was still playing at a elite level like last year. Like, it hasn't been. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. He's still very much elite, but I think it's gonna be. I think it's difficult. Difficult sometimes to 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 go between that because ultimately, if you're looking like Lube, I think Yant signed a, a multi multi year contract with Lube. Right, so you want to look towards the future, yeah. right? I think like someone like Gabby Garcia clearly isn't ready to be on the court in that situation. That's why we've seen him struggle, especially early on. So it's going to be Zaitsev no matter what. But Yant, I think, is a much different story. But also, you're playing a team like Perugia, and you're playing in in, cha- in super finals where you have, by the way, you have an entire month to scout the opponent. You know, or, or do you think there's when you have someone a little weaker on the reception like Yant, are they just going to be able to pick him apart, or, or what's going to go on? I don't know. Because sometimes at that level, it's not about it's not about your strength; it's about your weaknesses. This is true. This is true. So I I, I do think, and like we've seen from Yant, 
Like I think Lube just like lost him. Did Lube lose a match recently? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Did they lose to Trentino? I believe they. I believe they did. Because was I'm, it a five setter they lost recently? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. I remember watching them and like Yant was getting served off the court. I feel like we're at that point in the season where just <laughs> the matches are starting to run together a little bit. That's exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is right now. They beat uh, Ravenna. They beat Valencia. They went to five. They went to five against uh, but, Trentino. But they won, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what I remember. Yeah. No, nothing recently in terms of losses. Perugia. They lost to Perugia, but that was in December, so yeah. a long time ago. Well, there you go. They lost to Perugia. Your, your, your super finals preview there. Hey, I I I think Perugia is a better team this year. I think Perugia is a very very good team this year. Like you've got you've and you've got all of the pieces, right? All of the question marks that you had last year. No more Heinen. You've got Gerbich, right? Huge, huge upgrade. Difference. Huge upgrade. Huge there. upgrade. Huge. No more Tragica. You've got Gianelli. Huge upgrade. That's true. There, right? You don't have the revolving door of right sides because your setter's a geriatric who can't put the ball higher than a meter and a half. Right? You've got I'm gonna say this here. Rich Licky is the most dependable right side in volleyball. He's kind of like he reminds me of Lukash Kaczmarek. Oh. Better, better, probably better a little bit. But I mean, Lukash, he's very good too. I think I. Think, but just like they're just like they're solid. They don't go outside the role. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They just they just get it done within the offense. They don't demand the most sets. They're, no, I, I think Kaczmarek can impose himself in a game much more than Rich Lickie can. But Rich Lickie is the best at doing with what he's doing with with what he's given. You know, like he's never going to be the guy on the roster who's going to lead your team game after game and game in, in points, but he's always going to have be putting up positive numbers for them, right? We saw it when he was with Lube, and we're seeing it now when with when he's with uh, when he's with Perugia. I mean, he's also benefited by being on absolutely elite teams. Like if he's going home to play for the national team of Luxembourg, <laughs> you know, which like you probably could have like suited up for them while, while you were there, he's not he's not going off the way he is because he's being keyed on, right? He's very much he's very much benefiting off the fact that the attention is elsewhere, but but he still puts up numbers and has been putting up numbers for a long We're, time. Which lucky 40% hitting efficiency in Italy this year. Yeah, not bad. Not I, bad, I like but that. but like he doesn't, you know, need to be more. He goes out there and puts up points. Do you think well, he probably wants it to be more? Of course he does. <laughs> I guess he doesn't need it to be Mark when you have yeah the other the other options on that team. But he, yeah, he's a very good player. Uh, I, I like Ritzlicki and you know a guy from Luxembourg. How about that? Making yeah. making it on the highest level. Making it, making it on the highest level. I love how some of these small countries just have these random right sides. Like it's always the right side. Like it's always the right because side. Because that, that's what it is. Like you just find that one guy, and you're just gonna feed him a lot of balls. Like Al Hatch Daddy is a, is another one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Hungary always has like like yeah. Arpad Baroti and like uh, yeah a few, a few other guys. Butch, but there's Paul Buchkeger, the, the, the Austrian, Austrian guy. Austrian. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always the right side. I think this is just like what it's like the first position that you're gonna put your. Your bag, eggs in the back. Australia, like, had, like oh, Thomas Paul, Edgar, Paul, Paul, Carroll, Paul Thomas Edgar. Canada had friggin' Gavin Schmidt. <laughs> that was that was the only thing yeah. before we started getting other guys around it. So, yeah, always, always. It, it's funny because I was making a list of we're having that debate because Rob, what, yeah. go ahead. But it, 
is right side the lowest skill position? Yes, yeah, it is. So. that's why. Absolutely. Not to take anything away because it's also like one of the most athletically demanding positions, but. 100%. But in terms of, you know, I think for me it's like middle or setter and then middle. And then left libero? Side, and left side and then libero. They're all pretty tough except for right side. <laughs> except for right side. <laughs> Sorry to all the right sides watching this. You just this. sit Foot and back and front yeah. and back. And back. <laughs> Serve receive, nah. Defense, mm, we'll let you get away with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're, you're not wrong. All right, so you're calling a you're calling a Lube win. I'm calling a Perugia win. Well, let's see. Let's get together uh, before the super finals. Do another one of these. Yeah, yeah. We 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 uh, we definitely should. Is there anything else we want to talk to uh, or talk about in terms of Champions League? No, but I feel like my opinion is going to change a lot in like the next, like when the domestic league playoffs start. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's when you see like the real, like like toward this kind of time in the regular season, as things start to drop off. Also, we're going to see some good stuff, um, some good previews in the Italian Cup. What next weekend? Two weekends from now, Ooh, March fifth, yeah. sixth. Yeah. So Ooh. we're definitely going to have a good Lube Perugia match then. Is that the is that, that the finals? No, the, the, the talent semis and finals, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And like Modena is out already. Yeah. Let's, let me, oh, wait, no. Didn't Lube lose too? Oh, true. Yeah. Because there was some Lube, weird. Lube, Lube, yeah, yeah, Lube yeah, yeah, lost. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. and Modena lost in, in the Italian Cup finals. Okay. Well, never mind then. Damn it. So that's why I think. Like, <laughs> that's why. Like, I think this is this is Perugia's like year to lose. True. Milano, Trentino, Piacenza, Perugia. Lube lost in Milano. That was like that was when they had Trentino uh, was just in this period of time of like what um uh, of like just being the bridesmaids you know other than the the Supercopa at the beginning of the season right which 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 they won I believe against was against Piacenza or was it against Monte it was, it was against Piacenza other than the Supercopa at the beginning of the season like they finished second at the Champions League last year and they're probably going to finish second in the CEV Cup this year and you know, like they're just—it seems like they're always just underneath the cusp. I mean, we've we've had so many years of Trentino dominance and, and legacy in the in the two thousand tens that you know this this rebuilding period that they have would be a top notch period for most other clubs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, but they've but like Trentino's a club that kind of like cause, because they're like youth youth club is so dominant. Like Trentino's like the like hub of youth volleyball in italy like this is where like mo like G like ginelli like lonzo like okay lonzo's not that good anymore but like this is where all these guys come from hair, though. He still yeah has hair. so we're a little jealous of that but um but yeah that's what like i think that that creates like all this really like strong culture in trentino where like and like you could tell like a lot of these guys were ready they just needed a little bit more opportunity and and like they're still really young and i love ricardo spertoli i think he was like maybe a bit underrated before the season because um, people overlook Milano a bit, um, but yeah, um, uh, they're a fun team to watch. Hopefully, they can stay fun. I think the two middle staying was huge because both those guys easily could have left. And you know, if it wasn't for Micheletto, I think maybe they would have left. Because I remember, like, yeah, like we were interviewing Lizanach at Eurovolley, and he was like just talking up Micheletto so much. He's like, "Man, this guy like came out of nowhere training camp. Like he like grew like three inches during the season. Like so much fun to play with. Like." It's a good story. He, he's truly Micheletto is truly one of the biggest unicorns we've ever seen in volleyball. Yeah, and his trajectory since last the beginning of last year has been phenomenal. 
Like remember, like remember last year being the year Trentino's qualifying for Champions League. The only reason that they did is because they had to play Dinamo Moscow, who was without Sokolov at the time, and then they squeaked through. But remember, like Dick Coy was injured, Lucarelli was having a terrible, yeah. and like we were just we were just praising Micheletto for being like an average player on yeah. the court. <laughs> And fast forward a year and a half, and he's like, I consider him one of the top players in the world. Well, he's just added like so many things to his game that he needed to add. Like he he had the defense, like that was the thing, right? He was like a tall guy that could block, and and, and he was like a really good receiver. Like, okay, wow, like how many six eleven seven foot like receiving outsides are there in volleyball? None. But then he just he added the attacking, and then he added the serving, and then he like fixed his blocking, and now he like plays like. Really good back row defense as well, and like wow, he just added like he just added hitting to his game. Yeah, but some people don't like for the entire career. It's so, it's like, is what happens when, um, basically a uh, a libero gets a magic bean and sprouts overnight. Yeah. It just sounds like essentially what happened. But really, and, but Lisa Natch told us that beginning of last season till the end, he he grew like three centimeters. That's insane. <laughs> That's and insane. I remember the first time I heard about Mikaletto was uh, on Instagram Live with uh, Micah Christensen and Kavika Choji when they like I think it was the beginning of COVID when they're and I and I asked I asked him like in the chat like oh like which young player is in the league like do you think this is preseason 2020 and he's like man there's this, like a kid on Trentino who's like <laughs> ridiculous like he's super tall <laughs> and the other player he mentioned was uh, he's like oh yeah this is like. Real, like Belarus guy that's like crushing balls against us, and I have no idea who he was. This is uh, Uladislav Daviskiba. That was the other guy. <laughs> Daviskiba. I was like, wow, Michael Christensen. Yeah, I mean, not surprising that he called called both those players. But it's it's. Oh, I want to talk about Daviskiba in a second, but it's weird when when you like look at the prototype of player that uh, Mikaletto is. Um, we've never really had anyone like him in volleyball. A tall lefty like that who's playing on the left side. Like if you think of like tall lefties that we've had in the past, like I think of like what like Michael Lasko, yeah, uh, Politaev, you know, like lefties have always been like like an Angel Dennis type, you know, they're like a or little bit shiftier. Kovacevic, got, yeah, Kovacevic, like they've got the weird, like they've got weird arm swings that just kind of like squeak. Yeah, through. yeah, exactly. Mikaletto's arm swing is textbook. He's a big monster and he crushes balls now. Like but he can afford to because he's just hitting over everyone. Like he doesn't absolutely. have to get through the ball. He just goes over but, them. Which... His, his mechanics are phenomenal. Yeah. Well too. But here's here's a question that uh, Rob and I have been discussing a little bit on the 9x9 now. And I want to get your uh, opinion on it because you brought us on to some of these players. But for me, there's three. Actually, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a foursome. There's four young players right now in Super League. I know who you're gonna t- say already. Yeah. Who do you put your money at? like? Who? If Wait, I know three. I want. I know three. Who's? I want to know who the fourth is though. So I've got Mikaletto. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, I've got Rock Mozic, of course. Which finally you are. <laughs> you like you are. Forever. I've been. T- I was. T- I, oh my for god. For so long. <laughs> I, I said it on the nine by nine. Is that like I feel like Rock Mozic is like 25 at this point because of how much and for how long you've been talking about him. Um, you've got Daviskiba as as the third. Daviskiba has been lighting things up for for uh, for months. You're putting Daviskiba with those guys. Absolutely. Have you seen Daviskiba's numbers this year? Well, they've been insane, especially with with Grozier being injured. Like he has been carrying that Monza team. Daviskiba is another guy that I've been like trying. I've been talking about like yes. for a really long time as well. Um, so yeah, Daviskiba, and the fourth one is Yant. Okay, so 
Oh man. So I have to rank them or, or, or what? Who are you building a team around? Like this is the Pokemon question. Like you walk in and Professor, and Professor Oak has oh, these four man. players lined up for you. Who are you picking? I think I'm going to go with The Rock. You're going with The Rock? I'm going with The Rock because, well, A, I, so I, I got to see him play a ton, and Mikaleo, actually. I got to see all their matches at Eurovolley, all the, all the warm-ups, all their practices. Um, technically, Mikaleo's better. But I think you could say that for almost anyone coming through the Italian system. There's going to be technically better players. That's what Italy does. They have the best, one of the best youth training programs in the world. Um, but I've never seen, like, even more than Wilfredo Leono was. I've never seen a more athletic player than Rock, I think. In person, it's like he is crushed. Like if the if the net was at the top of the antenna, he was he's like hitting over that. Like he was crushing balls like harder than anyone I've ever seen. Like in my life, like it was like it was almost like he he didn't even look on the same planet as like the other volleyball players, including guys on like the Polish national team, including guys on the Italian national team. Technically, isn't there, but like he the, like I uh, if you guys if you guys can see Rock Mozic play in person, go like go to his hitting lines. Go like it's it's actually. So, someone you have to watch in person to appreciate. And I've I've watched like t- twenty games of Wilfredo Leon in person. Like I've seen Wilfredo Leon. He's still the best player. Still the goat. Does other things way way better than Rock, obviously. Um, but just in that pure athleticism is like is absolutely bonkers. And I think once he figures some other stuff out, like he's the leading scorer in Italy right now. I think once he figures like next year he's going to bring some more stuff to his game. Can like learn a bit more. Have some more block awareness and. Game over for me. It too is what does it look like when he goes to a real club? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. what's like is how long is his 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 contract up at at Verona, and who is going to try? Because you're not telling me that every club, every top club in the world right now is not looking at Rock Mozic being like, hmm, do we have room for this kid? Can we afford him? You know, like does does he work in, in our plans? Because. Like yeah, for true. me, if you're not if you're not going, like if if we're talking about young players right now in the world, you have to be either going for one of those players, and we're gonna add TJ DeFalco in there because he's been lighting it up in the Plus Liga. Yeah, but he's a little older than those guys. Is he? Oh yeah, I guess I guess you're all right. Those, too. All those guys are like 2000, 2001. Yeah, yeah, two thousand two. Yeah. DeFalco, DeFalco, like ninety seven. DeFalco would be a little bit older. Yeah, just having played four years of university. Well, well, also I also scored Davi Skiba all his Belarus games at Eurovolley. Yeah, and. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe he's gotten better since then. I haven't like I haven't watched a ton of, of him this year, or like watched a few games, but not maybe as much. But I would say, extremely talented, extremely athletic. But may, I, I would I would still put him on a lower tier than those three guys. And I haven't seen Yant at all play in person. So, oh, I've seen Yant play for Cuba. Oh, true. Yeah, he's in. He's he's next up. Okay, he's okay, he's, yeah. re, he's really truly next up, especially for for Cuba. And if Ronnie's in the chat right now, Ronnie's is clearly not in the chat right now because the chat would be flooded. <laughs> um. But uh, but yeah no I, I think Yant is is definitely next up and I mean I think you're seeing that with Lube, Lube is uh, Michi has better has better full Polish efficiency than Rock so far but Rock has less help. Yeah yeah I think yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah yeah it's, that's that's actually exactly right. And, and I th- I think I think Mikola's better right now than Rock but that wasn't the question. The question was who, who would I build you, around? Who you build around? Yeah. I'm I I would I'm going with Mikolaj. The, the one the one question mark with Rock, and I think that would almost this entire thing would depend on is his service, because we've seen with other athletes and in, in, in hitters of his caliber and like body type and stuff that 
usually they become elite servers as well but that's not like that's not there yet with rock so we still need to see but that's that's also a tantalizing thing you know it's like a fucking if he adds that it's, yeah. it's like a Giannis who can't hit three pointers you know or yeah like bead now who's hitting the step backs now that hardens hardens come around right but like, like you can add that add that to your game you go to a if you go to a, like a trentino or a lube at perugia they're going to work with you on that and well he, ha- he has to get picked up by a better club next year like 100 i'm surprised there hasn't been any like noise about it yet yeah, yeah well i i have heard and i mean maybe this is just the discord popping off but i did hear some rumblings about lube looking at him okay yeah so yeah once he adds that serve but like also what what caliber of hitter can't serve like is like we know patch i guess but he's not he's not that level man poor ben patch <laughs> takes so much abuse i mean if patch could serve could serve like that he he would be like way higher i still was... think that like physically and like pure ability like if you're talking top end ability patch is all world but as you said like his ability to you know like he's not he's the complete opposite of maxim Mikhailov. Yeah, Maxim exactly. Mikhailov like squeezes every bit of water out of everything that he can, and that's why he's been one of the goats for so long. Yeah, whereas Patch just kind of comes in in, in these these spurts. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's pretty much all we've got for for CEV Champions League. Uh, anything you want to? Any? Do you have any announcements? Uh, my, I guess my only announcement. Uh, just gonna start creating content again, taking a bit of a break. Let's so, go. so uh, keep 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 posted. Hopefully, have Everett on for for a couple things. Hopefully, get some videos out as well. So yeah, to, I had to take a bit of a break here and move to back to a new country, but we're all settled, we're ready to go. Yeah, back back in the six. Good time to start too. We have playoffs starting. We have Champions League coming back. Then we get right into national team season. I'm pretty excited for World Championships. Yeah. World Championships. Well. Are you planning on going? No. I'm not going to Russia. I can't. You can't. I have to get a visa for Russia, don't you? We'll get the FIVB to pay for it. Volleyball world. Maybe. What's up? Hire us. <laughs> you want someone to know who actually knows what they're talking about? This is uh, these guys here. Um, Ottawa Vienna, though. Yes. Yeah, Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa yeah, for v- sure. Let's see that. I think. I think like serious conversations need to be had about how many. Like we need to start doing the rounds now because I think we could like do a Discord meetup with like have people come in, you know, from from yeah. everywhere. Like let's Poland's Poland's gonna be in that group. Italy's gonna be in that group. Like, let's bring in let's bring in the, the troops from around the world. So this is this is the official call out. I know we've talked about it, but if you guys want to come to Ottawa VNL, uh end of May, early June. I forget yeah, I forgot yeah. I forget I forget the, the actual dates. Um come hang out and let's let's make it a party. I'm I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it. Great. Uh any anything else? No, that's it. Oh, look! Me. Look who comes onto the chat board. Just, just, just as we're signing off, uh, Mister Cuban Spike himself. Um, only Saint Clair is missing. You're not wrong. I think Saint Clair is in. No, uh, we we got to get the three of us together. That that's that's when when we're in Ottawa finally for yeah. that. That's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be good for sure. Make it like a bar stool situation. Yeah, exactly. We, we, all just, <laughs> we all just sit around and drink beers and talk shit about volleyball. Ronnie, you need to come too. All right, well, Everett, thank you. All right, thanks, dude. Good podcast. Good to have you back in the country. Of course. Good, good, good to see you again. We're going to have to do this uh, way more now that uh, we live. What was it? Was it like 20 minutes by subway to get here? Yeah, about that. Not bad. Not bad. Sick. All right, guys. Uh, make sure you check out the Champions League quarterfinals. are going to be starting next week. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be starting next week um, for the men and the women. 
Uh, if you want to check out the last episode of the Volleyball Source Podcast, did a great one with uh, Mr. Ronnie Cuban Spike himself to talk about everything Cuban volleyball. Have you checked that one out yet? I did watch part of it, yeah. And it's it's a lot of good information there. Yeah, it was, it was a cool podcast. Actually. Yeah, a lot of like uh, little anecdotes and like stuff I would never, have, yeah, you know, like stories about Simone raving at uh, Tomorrowland and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, the one about like who was it, Lopez hitting? <laughs> yeah, that that's Lopez hitting basketballs is nuts. I still yeah. I still need to clip that out and and put that up. Yeah. Uh, and then of course. Uh, if you haven't checked out the latest episode of the 9x9, check that out as well, too, on YouTube and all uh, podcast platforms. You can check that one out live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Maybe we need to get you involved now that you're in the right time zone. Call me up. All right. I'm in. All right, cool. All right, peace, guys. We'll see you later. Have a good one.